Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Mr. Hicks Sports Podcast. We're here getting it in once again, time and time again, talking a little college football this evening. And there are times that I'm going to do this show where I'm going to be excited and happy about what I have to say. And there are going to be times where I am going to be equally excited, but not necessarily happy about what I'm going to say. Um, I believe that if you're going to have a great show, that you're going to have to push boundaries, that you're going to have to say things that are unpopular, maybe sometimes unpleasant, but sometimes do need to be said. That doesn't necessarily mean that it's a bad thing, but in this space, it calls to be a little controversial. I don't consider some of the takes that I have to be controversial. They might be a little contrarian. They might be a little against the grain. I'm okay with that. I usually come with facts with what I have to say. Sometimes I'm going to come with an emotional rant because this is sports and this is what we do and it is what it is. But uh, I like to be factual in what I have to say. And I tend to look at things in a pretty, pretty much a philosophical standpoint. And when I look at any organization, football, baseball, uh, just cars, shopping, whatever, there's a certain degree of what I like to call organizational alignment, where it's like you sometimes you could be a good program or institution or team or what have you. And the way you do things just happens to hit a certain time period the right way where the rules are the right way. And the way you do things just happens to work for that time. But then the situation changes and you don't change with it. And without that wherewithal and that foresight as to what's going on in the world around your program, you might continue to go on the path that you've been going on, realizing that what was working is no longer working. And by the time you realize it's time to make a change, uh, the change might be you, it might be the coach being going out the door. Um, so a title of this show, in case you're not seeing this, uh, I believe that Clemson is done winning national championships. Now, it really pains me to say this, because I really love the Clemson program. I love what Dabo Sweeney has done there. I love the I love his history and how he turned that program around, how it wasn't much of nothing when he got there, and um, how he's instituted some some things that we all like to see in college football. Uh, he's he's a very loyal guy. He recruits, I believe, very ethically, uh, and that is um, not done a lot. I'm not saying that it's a it, Clemson is a squeaky clean program. I can say that I don't know enough about it to say for a hundred percent sure that it is. But um, I know that they have a tendency to do their own recruiting. They don't care what somebody's star ranking is. They don't care about anybody's popularity. They look and they recruit based on what they see is a fit for their program. They will take certain players off their board completely if they think they're not a fit for the program. They don't give out a lot of offers. Uh, some programs, like literally Penn State for the 2023 class has given out 500 offers, 500 offers for 25 slots, 25 slots. By the way, we're talking uh, high school, JUCO, transfers. Yeah, 25. So for those people to get very excited about getting offers, I do would like to point out, it is nice to be recognized. It's kind of, to me, it's kind of like the Oscars. It's an honor to be nominated, but that doesn't mean you're going to win. Uh, you can, so when some of these schools are giving out upwards of 
hundreds of offers for only a couple of actual scholarships. It's really misleading. Clemson tends to give out somewhere between like 70 and 80 offers a year. Now, of course, you're going to over-offer at least some because not everybody's going to come to your program, but they are an elite program. And when Clemson offers you, it's committable. They're going to say, we're taking two running backs. We're comfortable with all five of these prospects. First five guys are going to get it. That's it. And also, but they're, they're stickler on a couple of other things too. Once you say that you're committed to Clemson, they expect you to be committed to you too. You, you to be committed to them as well. So they don't want you taking visits. Once you said, I'm committed to Clemson, your recruiting is over. And some kids like to do that. They like to say, announce their commitment. They're like, yeah, but I want to take some more visits. Why are you taking visits if you're committed to us? Because if you're not, if you're going to do that, we are rescinding our offer, and we're going to go look elsewhere. Uh, they're also not very easily influenced by boosters and media. They are very strong in what they do and the way that they do things. They have some very philosophical things about the program. They're not really shy about it either. They promote from within. When somebody leaves, which is pretty rare that somebody does leave as a uh, one of the coaches leaves, uh, they promote within. They're very stable. Uh, it's a very family-oriented program, and they're big in the culture. It's a bunch of things that I personally love in any program when you're talking about sports. Um, but I believe that they've had some swings and misses recently, and I believe that some of the things in Davos' philosophy are not in keeping with the things that are going on in college football right now, and I feel like it's getting away from them. Let's start with the, the obvious thing. Um, Davos missed on quarterback. Uh, they've had a long line of very good to great, maybe even excellent, some of the best college football performers of all time at the quarterback position. Taj Boyd was one of my personal favorites, one of the guys that kind of got the ball rolling. Um, him with um, a couple other players are the ones that really – uh, really got this thing moving. Uh, then they had Deshaun Watson come in after him, uh, a national champ wins a national championship. Trevor Lawrence comes in, wins a national championship, uh, his freshman year actually. Uh, and then DJ Uyunglele looked like he was going to be the next player in line. A big, huge, huge player, like six five, uh, two fifty. Also a baseball player, throws legit. 90 miles an hour fastball. His brother is playing tight end defensive end at his alma mater, John Bosco, over in California. And um, it looked like he was going to be really good. I remember Trevor Lawrence got injured, or it was either COVID or injury, something like that, but he was out. And um, DJ came in and performed admirably against some pretty good competition. And so people were thinking like, okay, Trevor's leaving, but we have the next guy in line ready to step up. And he fell flatly on his face. So uh, so to give you an idea, I actually didn't realize how bad this was. Like I knew, oh, he didn't play well. Don't Didn't watch a lot of Clemson football because once Clemson got really bad, that's kind of how it is in college football. Once you're kind of bad, you're insignificant. Like, unless you're one of the teams that everybody loves to watch lose, like everybody loves to watch Ohio State and Michigan lose. So even if they're bad, I'll tune in just to watch somebody. Sometimes teams get smacked around because that's just who they are. I watch Texas lose all day long. It's, it's fun for me. Um, so I didn't realize how bad his stats were. So DJ Uyunglele threw four, 
a grand total of 2,200 yards and on 55% completions. He had nine touchdowns and 10 picks. Not That is not a lot of touchdowns and more picks than there were touchdowns. That's bad. In comparison, Bryce Young, who was a quarterback also in his class, also from California, threw for 4,800 yards on 66% completion and had 47 touchdowns to seven interceptions. These are supposed to be two comparable programs and two comparable players, according to where they came from, what they were ranked, and the caliber of program that they're playing for. So, being great at quarterback covers up a lot of problems. But right now, uh, Travis Etienne is also a player that that got drafted along with Trevor Lawrence the same year. And I don't think people gave him enough credit for what he did for that program in the running game, in the passing game. Because I remember when um, DJ Uyungle took over for Trevor Lawrence for a couple of games, still had Travis Etienne, still had an amazing running back who is the leading rusher in ACC history. And it uh, seems like it's more of, of not having that running game and not having that run support, also not having a great offensive line has been a problem for DJ. He seems to have happy feet, doesn't seem to be really confident behind that line. And um, yeah, he's performed really badly. So when you've had great quarterback play for quite a long time, it it covers a lot of warts when your quarterback is great. Um, Also, Clemson has has had recent instability, which is not typical of that program. They're, so Clemson had the same offensive and defensive coordinators for a long time. So Brent Venables was the defensive coordinator at Clemson for nine years. He just recently took the Oklahoma job. Tony Elliott has had various coaching jobs and OC being one of them for about 10 years on the Clemson program. He takes the Virginia job. So that was a major selling point in the recruitment was that they didn't have a lot of turnover. There was a lot of continuity as far as like the players who the players were comfortable with that you knew that you were going to be there and you were going to have largely the same coaching staff for a long time whereas if you went to a place like alabama alabama they change coaches like people change underwear they're they're gone in in one minute gone the next and 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 for a good reason everybody wants wants a piece of nick saban wants a piece of the you know the the championship you know magic and i want to take that from alabama and plugging in over here at Maryland or plugging in over here at Colorado and see if it'll grow. So, but honestly, Tony Elliott and Brent Venables have gotten coaching opportunities. They've matter of fact, for years, every time a job opening came up, both of those guys' names were mentioned and they were deciding to stay. They were paid very well. Don't get me wrong. You get paid, you know, a couple million dollars to be an OC or a DC in Clemson, South Carolina, that, that goes a long way at a place that has a pretty low standard of living. Uh, so with those guys being gone, we don't really know what we're going to see next year. Also, they, they hired from within. So instead of having like what in most places would have been a nationwide coaching search where they were every coach, every position coach would have wanted that job. Like there would have been fired coaches that were on the the Nick Saban coaching rehabilitation program, uh, the players in the NFL, people that are looking to make that leap. That the two extremely high profile jobs they decided to hire from within, and that's part of 
what I mean by Dabo's philosophy. He believes that if you're developing coaches the way that you should be, you should be able to hire from within. And he tells his coaches, this is what I expect of you. We're bringing you here. We believe that you're a great coach. And if you guys are great coaches and we're doing our job in developing coaches, then why wouldn't I just hire somebody from all my staff? If I can't do that, then I'm not doing my job. That is an admirable sentiment and it better work because if it doesn't, people are going to have a lot of questions about the play calling and why did you promote from within instead of doing a nationwide search and you probably could have gotten a lot of talent in that position and a lot of talent on the staff with those guys that would have brought with them. So recruiting. I don't know if you notice about Clemson. For a team that performs as well as they do, Clemson is not an elite recruiting program. They've, they've never really been that great. I don't. I think maybe one time in the last 10 years have they had a top five recruiting class. And even then, it was number three. It wasn't, you know, and now mind you, Clemson also tends because they don't get transfers. They don't take transfers. They don't tend to, uh, and, and guys don't tend to leave. So they don't bring a lot of guys in and then guys don't tend to leave. So Clemson tends to have small recruiting classes. So their classes will be somewhere between like 17 and 19, whereas another team will have a class of like 24, 25, which is the standard. So since 2023, they have averaged about 10. I mean, there's quite a bit of standard deviation there where they've been as low as 16. They've been as high as three. So, as to give you an idea, Texas A&M, who was number one in recruiting this year, has averaged over the same period of time about ninth. Difference is Clemson has two national titles in that time, whereas I don't think Clemson, I don't think Texas A&M has ranked any higher than fourth at any given time in the last ten years. So Clemson actually outperforms its recruiting every year, and well, they also play in the ACC. That that helps. You're not gonna if you're recruiting even at a high level not an elite level, but a high level, and you're playing in the ACC, there's nobody else in the ACC that's really doing that. If you're, if you're in the Clemson's recruiting classes, in the if they'd have been playing in the SEC, I don't know that, that Clemson is the elite program that it is because you can have the fifth best recruiting class in the country and still have the third highest recruiting class in the SEC. That's how monstrous recruiting is in that in that conference. And one of the big problems is that when Clemson misses, it's a huge problem because they don't use the transfer portal at all. Like, I don't know if at all, at all, but definitely not enough for the program, the problems that they have. They've had bad problems in the secondary. They lost one of their corners and he went to Georgia. Again, like I see, like with, with NIL and, and all this stuff going on, they're starting to miss on recruits and guys are starting to leave. That was usually that stability and that continuity was something that was a big part of that program. It's starting to break down. Like I, the corner goes to the four star corner goes to Georgia, wins a national championship. So with them not embracing the transfer portal, I think it's going to be a problem. And it's not that it's a bad thing that you don't. The problem is the people that you are recruiting against are the the Alabama and Georgia and LSU those programs Ohio State are they hit the transfer portal hard now you got USC coming in here USC is going to be hitting the transfer portal hard 
when everybody else is doing it and you're not, your problems become that much. Harder. Like, so, for example, when Alabama misses on a wide receiver like Ajayi Hall, is a five star five star receiver that is that went to the transfer portal, left, went to Texas. They just go into the transfer portal and get Jermaine Jermaine Burton, who was the number one wide receiver of Georgia, who they lost to in the national championship game. But as soon as they said, oh, Stenson Bennett is going to be our starting quarterback, he was like, yeah, I'm out. I'm out. I've seen what that dude can do. I'd rather go to Alabama, who had Jamison Williams and brought him in for one year, and he had an outstanding season. And even after getting injured in the national championship game, still got drafted in the first round. I want some of that. I don't want no more Stetson Bennett. So this is what Alabama can do. Alabama can go and grab a receiver from Georgia grab a receiver from Louisville, grab a running back from Georgia Tech, grab a linebacker from Tennessee. And then, yeah, and they're now just cherry-picking the best program, the best players from other Division I programs to shore up their problems. They still recruit at an elite level, usually in the top three, but then they go and they augment that by taking the best player off of other people's rosters. And you're not doing that at all. So when you have a problem, you just have a problem. When Alabama has a problem, Alabama just goes to the transfer portal and fixes it. And I don't know how you're going to compete when your competitors are doing things like that and embracing things that you're not embracing. Devil's also not a big NIL fan. He's been on record saying he, about not players not getting paid and what about the education and the culture and what are we doing to our game and yada, yada, yada. Um, so he's staying old school on that. So having said that, if you're if you're a five star, four or five star dude, and you're looking for those NIL opportunities, Clemson might not be the place for you. And how are you going to compete with the programs that are really stepping up and doing that? And you're not one of those programs. I appreciate his philosophy. I appreciate his sticking to his guns, but I just don't think it's going to produce championships anymore for these reasons. So question to me is. Can Dabo Sweeney change with the times or will he stick with what has served him in the past? This can generally is very difficult when you, it's part of your culture. You've built it into your program. You really believe in what you're doing and it's been successful in the past. So when you have a, a, a very, I don't know how to, how, to, how do I say this, kind of encapsulated program where you don't listen to the noise outside. You're not doing what everybody else is doing. You recruit your own guys. You, you, you care about, you recruit to your culture and your program and guys that will fit and coaches that will fit and all of that. But when you can do that so much, you can also isolate yourself. And you isolate to the point where maybe you're not listening to things that you should be listening to. And you're so kind of in a vacuum about your own system that you're drowning out, drowning out the noise, of course, but you're also, you know, maybe drowning out some, some feedback, some things that really might be helpful. With an eye toward the future, is Clemson's program and philosophy sustainable to considering what their competitors are doing? They already don't recruit at an elite level and they're not using the portal. Are they going to be able to stand, sign big recruits when they're not using NIL? As I mentioned earlier, great organizations have alignment. So from top to bottom, from the players, the assistants, the coaches, the the GMs, the the uh, or the um, 
what you call it, the athletic director, the president, the boosters, when all that's in alignment, then you get great results. You get a lot, all the resources, uh, everybody repeating the same thing. Everybody's on the same page. We're all following the same program. Organizational alignment, all that forces going in one direction. You know, everybody knows their roles. Everybody understands the processes and the goals of that organization. When that alignment is timely and appropriate and you make the right decisions, you have great success. But sometimes the rules change. And when the rules change and you have organizational alignment going in the wrong direction, then it's no longer appropriate to your goal, which is winning national championships. And most organizations can't pivot. They're going this way, believing that that way and doing this way is going to get them to the goal. And the goal has not necessarily moved, but the best way to get to the goal has changed. And you're not changing with it. So what I believe is going to happen is that Clemson is going to turn into one or two things. They're either going to turn into Notre Dame or they're going to turn into Iowa. Okay. Uh, uh, both have what I like to call self-imposed institutional constraints. Okay, Iowa knows what it is. It's only going to bring in certain players be, to fit their culture, which, again, I have a great deal of respect for. The difference between, like, in Iowa and in Notre Dame is that Iowa's a good, respected program that knows what it is. And they are comfortable with the results of what that identity brings them. We're not bringing in this guy. We can't recruit that guy, but that's okay. We will support what's going on here with this coach and these kids because we want to. And that culture and having a kind of program that we can get behind and respect is more is what's most important to us. That is what is paramount. If that brings us a Big Ten or a national title one day, that's great. But the identity is what we care about. Notre Dame is also a good, respected program with great academics, but they are not comfortable with what that identity brings. They expect to win national championships with great academics and upright citizenship. And is that going to win the national titles? Well, it hasn't for a long time. It doesn't necessarily mean that it will not. I would say it's unlikely. So it's very, very respectable. And I have a great deal of respect for Notre Dame's program. But if it doesn't produce championships, what are you going to do? So you can only do one or two things. Like Notre Dame just lost Brian Kelly uh, uh, largely because I think he realizes that the constraints are just too much for the expectations of the Notre Dame faithful. And he's gotten to the mountains. He's gone to the national championships, to, to the final four, and seen what he has to coach against athletically the size the speed of those guys in the sec and those coaches that can bring in players that are bigger stronger faster and let's just keep it real dumber then he can get in to notre dame and those kids can play to the maximum of their ability i believe brian kelly gets 99 percent to 100 percent of every player that he gets on that team but the capacity to play football the teams on the SEC rosters is just much higher. They're just bigger. They're just stronger. They're just faster. So Clemson, you have to ask yourself, if you can only have one thing, what are you going to choose? Are you going to choose to have the culture or are you going to have the winning? Because 
Before, you were able to have both. But at a certain point, it may be impossible for you to have both. And if you only have one, what are you going to choose? That's for my time, ladies and gentlemen. Have a good one.